Amen. Thank you, Brother Vaughn. Let's stand and take our Bibles, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14. Ushers, would you be ready to hand out the cards tonight? Proverbs chapter 14. <clears throat> thank you for being here tonight. You came a little bit extra earlier for the business meeting. We thank the Lord for that. Now, I, I need to get some windy. There was a little stuffy here. If it gets a little cold, ladies, you just raise your hand or wave a handkerchief there, and I'll know it's getting too cold, and we'll help you out with that. But we need to get a little bit of air in here. Is it too cold for anybody in here tonight? It's okay right now. We'll just blow a little bit of air in here, just a little bit of, just get the fans moving here, get some air circulating. Proverbs chapter 14. Now, the ushers are going to come and they're going to hand out a ministry involvement form. I want everyone to take one tonight. Everyone take one. It's going to dovetail with the message this evening. At a minimum, I like to ask you check off the box that you're going to, you're going to help get involved with reaching souls today. Now, don't 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 spend a lot of time reading it while, while I'm preaching tonight. I want you to catch the message tonight. And uh, but we want it, We're just this a time to get involved. If you're not involved somewhere and uh, we, we need we need to get you involved in serving the Lord. We've got a lot of wonderful things happening the next few weeks here. And we need a lot of helpers for that. OK, everybody got one who doesn't have a, fo- a card there. Raise your hand. Anyone in the back? OK, the back needs one. Some ministry involvement forms. How about how the side? Everybody here got one. OK, make sure you get one here. OK. All right, Proverbs 14 follows our read verses 1 to 4. Verses 1 to 4 tonight. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Notice verse 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. Would you read that together with me, please, from the English King James Version of the Bible? Where no oxen are, read with me, please. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Just read that again together, please. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. I want to preach to you a very simple thought tonight. I gave this actually as a thought on a different variety to one of our soul winning instruction times. But I want to take, it's a very important thought we need to capture as a church uh, this evening. Two words I want you to notice in verse 4, much increase, much increase. And we want to see what the Bible has to say about much increase and oxen. Now, Father, bless our time together. Lord, we are so thankful this evening for what we've heard. And uh, God, just what you're working in our midst. I pray through this that you'll help our members to be biblical tithers, that everyone realizes one of the privileges of membership is that we're to be tithing members and that the tithe belongs to the local church. And then from that, we show our love and appreciation for Christ by participating in the offerings of the church, our missions offerings, and God, our building offerings and things of that nature, Lord, as we expand and try to grow for Christ. And thank you in a time when businesses and the government and other things are, are contracting and pulling back. Lord, as a church, we want to go forward. As a church, we're going advancing the cause of Christ tonight. And help us, Lord, not to let the secular mindset, which says to, that has a different philosophy, in, affect us. But tonight, this is a faith ministry. And as a faith ministry, Lord, we our eyes look to you and trust you, God, to advance us and direct us and help us to glorify you. Please bless tonight that, Lord, you'd stir our hearts, that you'd create a stimulus in our heart of much increase for God's glory. And seeing the principle that's found in the Bible here in this, ver- this fourth verse, the Proverbs 14. If someone here tonight is not saved, we pray that even through this message tonight, that they come to know Jesus Christ, your son, as their savior. Help even children to apply this tonight and see the value which found herein. We'll thank you for your blessing, the power of the spirit, the understanding the spirit of God gives us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now tonight I want you to do a couple things as you listen to the message. I want you to, to, to as, as part of what goes the message, I want you to take that ministry participation form and I want you to check some boxes and turn that in tonight. We have a box for that. Then after the service tonight, you maybe have some questions about our ministries. I want you to see me or our staff members or one of our deacons. We'll all be kind of around here in the front here unless they're already serving somewhere else to just answer questions you've got. And then we're going to have a time of fellowship. We have some uh, coffee, tea, and cookies. Why don't you stay to have a time of fellowship with us and just to rejoice in the Lord. And then mark in your calendars next Sunday night after the service, we're going to have our Lord's table. We were planning to have it tonight, but just felt like we had too many things going on for tonight. And we're going to push it off to next Sunday night to have the Lord's table, especially for a lot of the new members we brought in. They could participate with us. Now, notice tonight, verse 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. 
but much increase is by the strength of an ox. Tonight, we're looking at the biblical principle of productivity. Write that down, please. The biblical principle of productivity. I'm dovetailing on the victory report of our church. There are two words or two phrases you might find tonight that are two, two thoughts this evening in this fourth verse of Proverbs 14 that are very important to us. The first word, if you want to write this down, if it's not in your notes, the first word tonight is the word increase. Now, increase is found in verse 4. In fact, an adjective is given to us to describe the word increase. Much increase. Increase is a Bible word. We ought to get excited about Bible words. All right? Get excited about Bible words. Much increase. Now, consider some things the Bible says where increase is emphasized in the Bible. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And notice, running over shall men give unto your bosoms. That's talking about much increase. For at the same measure that you meet with, it shall be measured to you again. Listen to John 15, verses 7 and 8. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. Now, there's a correlation there. It's telling us when we're obedient to God, when we follow his word, we obey his word. If you abide in me, we have deep fellowship with Jesus Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. He says, when you pray, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We cannot expect the God of heaven to answer our prayers if God's word is not abounding in our heart. If we're not abiding in him, if our root in Jesus Christ is not very deep, we cannot expect to see consistent answers to prayer in our own lives there. But he goes on by saying in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear what? What kind of fruit? Much fruit, okay? Much fruit. God wants us to bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Now watch this. The markers for great discipleship is much fruit. We make an emphasis on much increase, much fruit. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And I want you to circle that verse there in your Bible because you'll be hearing me say a lot about that all through this year as it dovetails with our Sunday school growth model and things we'll be doing. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The word increase is found 147 times in the Bible. Now, I'm of the belief God is not pleased with mediocrity. I believe tonight God is not honored through status quo Christianity. I believe God is delighted when there's much increase. I believe tonight, as we look at this word increase throughout the Bible, being used 147 times, God wants us to go beyond last year. God wants to have a better year this year. God wants to have more productivity in what we do there. Now, notice the word increase is found 15 times in Proverbs 14 times in Psalms. So there's the word increase. There's a second word found here in verse 4. The second word is the word oxen. That's the focal point of our message tonight. The word oxen is used 145 times in the Bible. Combined, oxen and ox are used 145 times. Specific to oxen, oxen is used 95 times in the Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.4, much increase is by the strength of an ox. Tonight, I want you to look at one of the great Bible principles that we can apply to our personal lives that will help you, whether you're a student or in your job or at home, or even if you're retired, that can help your personal life and will definitely help us in our church life. I want you to see three very simple thoughts that are expounded from this particular passage of Scripture. Thought number one tonight is I want you to consider with me the essential value. I want you to consider with me the essential value. We're talking about oxen tonight. Now... Uh, oxen were a very valuable commodity in Israel. When this verse was written, you have to remember that for many, many years, our society was agrarian and agricultural. Everyone desired to own a plot of land. Everyone desired to, to grow their own crops and grow their own vegetables and have their own fruit trees and have their own chickens and have their own cows to milk and have their own beef, things of that nature. People desired that. They, they knew that was just basically how you live. I mean, you look at California. We have a great agricultural state here and we, we ship out a lot of things out of the state around, the, around, the, around different parts of this country and even around the world. And then we, we get things that we import inside. But 
But California's a great agricultural state. You can't go down the, uh, the coastline without seeing great agricultural things happening. You can't go down Highway 5 and uh, down, down there 99 and see all the agricultural things. I mean, we're just a great agricultural state there. We've got dairy and things like that. We're driving through Wisconsin just a couple weeks ago with, Do- with Dr. Van Gelder and some other men. Great agricultural things going on there. Great dairy farms and things of that nature. Now remember, people lived and were sustained by living off the land. They sowed seeds, they cultivated crops, and they reaped a good harvest. Now, for a farmer, for men who own land, there was a difference between a good harvest and a great harvest, okay? And you want to write that down. There was a difference between a good harvest and a great harvest, okay? Now, a good harvest would be, if I had my own plot of land, let's just manage this platform with my plot of land, a good harvest would be, I'd get up, and every day, I'd, I'd know the times and the seasons, and I'd start sowing seed. And first, well, even before that, I'd start breaking up the ground, because the ground would get fallow over the year, and I'd have to break up the clods of the ground, and I'd break up the ground, and I'd plow the ground to get it ready. And here's a simple farmer, where basically he has no animals, except simple animals. He doesn't have any oxen, so he bears the yoke himself and the harness himself, and he's basically pushing himself, and he realizes it's hard work, but he's pushing, and he's basically going to do that, and then he starts sowing seed. Now, a good harvest is that when he sows the seed, and he reaps his crops, and he has his harvest, he has enough in a good harvest to get by another winter, and just enough to pay the bills, and have food on the table. Now, that's a good harvest. I mean, if you can pay your bills, have food on the table, and get past winter, and have enough to sustain you until the next time you start sowing seed again, that's a good harvest. But that's about as far as you're going to get with a good harvest. That's just enough to take care of you. That's status quo. A great harvest meant a very profitable year. A great harvest meant that you had more than you needed. A great harvest meant that you had enough that you put actually a stand outside and started selling fruits and vegetables. A great harvest meant that you were part, you, you contributed to the local economy. A great harvest meant that you, 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 that, uh, that the retailers and wholesalers in the stores were dependent upon you. And so you realize that you became part of the food chain. In fact, an upper part of the food chain where you were a distributor and producer of things and you were very integral to that. And so a great harvest would be where you would produce those type of things. Where there was a great harvest, there would always be oxen. Oxen would be an instrumental part of that. Oxen were essential animals in farming. Oxen back in those days were like the equivalent of tractors and farming equipment today. Oxen will carry the burden of yoke instead of you. How many understand the burden of the yoke? You've ever seen a yoke is very, very, very heavy. But notice oxen working together. They, they carry the, the yoke together and they're able to accomplish much more. They're able to plow more ground. They can get more things done. Much increases by the strength of an ox. Oxen were much stronger and could go much longer during a day than a man could. Oxen didn't have to take a break, whereas a man would have to take a break. Oxen would not feel the burden on their shoulders as much as a man would feel the burden on his shoulders. Oxen would help you plow a lot of fields, pull a lot of load, and sometimes be used for transportation around the farm. Oxen helped you do more. Notice, Oxen were, the firstborn of oxen were to be offered to the Lord as a sacrifice. Oxen were permitted as food. Praise God, I love oxtail stew. Praise God for that, amen. Oxtail, ox were, were, were permitted for food. Oxen were essential for the sacrifices that God had instituted. If you did not have an ox, most likely you were poor and your output would not be very good. Your output would only be enough to maybe get you to winter or through winter. Much increase is by the strength of an ox. But notice this, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Now go back with me to think about this man here for a minute. A man with a good harvest who doesn't have, who doesn't have oxen, his crib is clean. His barn is clean. There's nothing to clean up after. He might be thinking, well, I don't want to have oxen because I've got to clean. I don't want to have oxen because, because then I've got to fill the water trough. I don't want to have oxen because I've got to, I've got to fill up their, I've got to fill another trough with food. I don't want to have oxen because I've got to clean up after them. I don't want to have oxen because it'll make the crib dirty and I've got to clean it up there. If you don't have oxen, you don't have to get up early and you don't have to work later. If you don't have oxen, you don't have anything to clean up after. If you don't have oxen, You don't need to keep hay and a water trough in the crib. But where there are oxen, there's more work, more to clean up after, and more responsibility. The question comes down to this as far as the value of oxen. Is an oxen a burden or is it a blessing? Is oxen a necessity or is it a nuisance? Is having oxen the difference between success and survival? Remember, where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. You don't have oxen. You can get by with just doing all the effort you can on your own. But where there's, mu- where there's, but by the strength of an ox, there's much increase. We see the essential value. But notice number two tonight. Notice the exciting vision. I want you to imagine me, this farmer, he starts out, 
He buy, he gets a small piece of land, just a very small piece of land. And with this piece of land, he's going to start to plow it. He's going to break up the fallow ground. He starts sowing seed here and sowing seed there. And he watches it and he irrigates it. And he's doing it all of his own. It's all his hard labor that he's doing. But this man has a good harvest and he's very careful. He plows, he sows, he reaps, he has a good harvest. And then he's careful to save. And now he's able to put a little bit of food on the marketplace side. And he sells some food and he's saving that. And now he's saving a little bit more and he's able to be part of the the distribution that goes to the marketplace and now he's bringing things to the local economy and he's helping to provide things for other people who don't have a farm all of a sudden this man saves some money and now he goes he thinks well you know what if i buy an oxen if i can get one oxen i can get more done i don't have to carry that heavy yoke on my shoulders so he saves up he buys an oxen and the day comes he's going to start plowing with that first oxen there and so he yokes up that one oxen and it's a little awkward there but he yokes up that oxen and he harnesses it and he harnesses it to himself and he starts pushing moving and he's realizing he's able to go a little bit faster he's plowing a little bit more and he realizes now he can sow faster and do more and then the day comes when he sow, when he sows and he reaps and he reaps another good harvest and he saves a little bit more and he buys a second oxen and now with the second oxen with two oxen he yokes it together like the video we saw and now this man is realizing the bible principle where there's no oxen the crib is clean but he realizes by the strength of about much increase is by the strength of an ox he starts his second season with two oxen and the second season with two oxen, he starts to plow. And there's more fields to plow. And he's doing better. At the end of the second season, he's reaped more, more harvesting. And he's made more money. And he not only buys, he's thinking now, he's getting a vision for his farming business. He's got a vision now. I don't just want two oxen. I want four oxen. I just don't want four oxen. I want to hire an employee. I just don't want to hire an employee. I want to buy more land. Listen, there's much increase by the strength of an ox. Where there's no oxen, the, the crib is clean. Well, this man's getting a vision for his farming business. And all of a sudden, this man is realizing... Man, think of what I can do this year with four oxen, how much I can plow, how much I can plant, how much I can reap, how much I can harvest. And this man gets a vision for where where he could go. And all of a sudden, his vision is now limited to a little piece of land. His vision is now looking at his village. His vision is looking at his community. He's thinking about, man, I could be an integral part of supplying food for our community and for our village. And now he's not thinking about two oxen and four oxen. He's thinking about eight oxen and 16 oxen and 20 oxen and two employees and four employees and six employed. Now he's not looking at just one acre land. He's thinking five acres of land and 10 acres of land and 20 acres of land. Listen, much increases by the strength of an ox. This man has a vision for his farming business. His vision is for more land to farm on. His vision for more laborers to help him in the harvest. His vision is for more workers who can carry on important roles and responsibilities. He has a vision for building more barns and storehouses to hold the wheat and the barley in and his harvest in. He has a vision for more oxen to plow and pull. His vision goes from one product to multiple products. He goes from wheat to barley, to vineyards, to vegetables, to fruit trees, and much more. He has a vision for herds and flocks. It's not just ox anymore. He wants some milking cows. He doesn't want just milking cows. He wants some sheep. And he's thinking about donkeys and horses. The man, his vision is expanding. The Bible says, we're no oxen are. The crib is clean. He remembers back those old days that when he didn't have any oxen, the barn, the little barn that he had was just a little store, a storage ship. And he kept it clean. There was nothing to clean up after. He remembered where there was no oxen. The crib was clean. But he also remembered those were hard days. Those were poverty days. Those were difficult days. He remembered just getting enough to make it through winter. But he's gotten past it because he started to work hard. And he realized the Bible principle where, where there's no oxen. The crib is clean. But much increases by the strength of an ox. And he started to realize, man, God has blessed me. I've gone from just doing it myself to where I got one oxen, then two oxen, now four oxen, then eight oxen, then 12 oxen, then 16 oxen. And he starting to realize the value of the Bible principle much increases by the strength of an ox. This man is not limiting his vision just to a local village. This man is now looking for his entire country of what he's doing there. He could buy more land. He can replicate what he's doing in other communities. He could teach other people how to buy more land or he can buy, he can buy more land and then lease it out and have more people do that. This man is getting expanded vision for what he can accomplish and do. With this vision, there's more oxen, but there's also more work. And with this vision and more oxen, there's more maintenance to do. And with this vision and more oxen, there are more things to give attention to. And with this vision and more oxen, he's looking for more opportunities for expansion. He's still realizing he needs more people to be productive. He realizes there are more people to manage and motivate. But that's okay, because he remembers the days when there were no oxen, the crib is clean. And he remembers now, yes, it's more work, it's more responsibility. I've got to work harder, I've got to do more. But he realizes there's a Bible principle. Much increase is by the strength of an ox. He realizes as he starts to hire laborers, 
and he gets people to push it. The laborers, as much as he tries to ingrain them with his philosophy and his vision, he realizes, and listen to me tonight, he realizes not every laborer is going to capture the vision he has. He realizes not every laborer is excited about more land. And not every laborer is excited about killing the crib. And not every laborer is excited about much increase. And much, many laborers may not be excited about working extra hours and getting up earlier in the morning and staying up later at night and doing more. They're not excited, but that's okay. That's okay. He remembers the days when the crib was clean and all he's concerned about right now is the bible principle there's much increase by the strength of an ox and his vision's growing his vision's expanding he realizes there 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 are there are good days ahead and he wants more to be done listen brethren tonight where there's no oxen the crib is clean but much increases by the strength of an ox let me apply that to you tonight so you can understand what this says to us listen to me tonight so many so many is important priority of the local New Testament church. Now, whether you agree with me or not, or you got some other philosophy, it's time to get on the same page with the Bible philosophy. We're going to win souls. And we're supposed to win souls. We are commanded to win souls. He that winneth souls is wise. That means if we're not winning souls, we're not very wise. And by the way, the preceding thought before that, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves. Well, that's so winning. With more soul winners, we have a greater vision for reaching our area. With more soul winners, we have a greater vision for reaching every age group and every life stage. With more soul winners, we have a greater vision for more buildings to hold the people who will come. Hey, by the way, do you know with more soul winners, we understand the heartbeat of what's happening in our local communities. We know who's moving in. We know who the new homeowners are. We know what's going on there. We know where the children are. And we just keep knocking doors and knocking doors and knocking doors. And I'm not going to do it tonight, but we've got probably a third of the people here in this church that could, that could testify. They, they are in this church because somebody came to their door. And by the way, may I say tonight, all of us are the fruit of some soul winner. Offers the fruit of some soul winner. Somebody let's hear. Brother Aaron shared his testimony. A soul winning camp counselor. Praise the Lord for that. I, I'm the fruit of a Sunday school teacher who may not know what he was doing. Had no idea what was going on. But bless God, he's going to have his reward in heaven someday. Because, Lord, he, he led me to Christ. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some fruit in his account. Just because he just, he didn't know what he was doing. But bless God, I'm telling you, that Sunday school teacher has some fruit in his account. I'm saying today is we understand the thought here. With more soul winners, we have a greater vision for, for the world harvest. With more soul winners, we have a greater vision for reproducing what we started in, uh, what we started in more communities. With more soul winners, we have a greater vision for men who can get the same passion, have the same philosophy, and do more. With most soul winners, we have a greater vision for passing down what we started to our children with the prayer they will carry the work on to future generations. Here's what I'm saying tonight. Beloved, we need to get excited about soul winning. Beloved, we need to get enrolled in soul winning. The baseline is serving Jesus Christ in Heritage Baptist Church. And for church like ours, for any matter, the baseline is soul winning. Listen, if we're emphasizing everything else and we're not winning souls, we've got it upside down. This church started with the idea that so winning worked and it still works. Listen, Jesus was a so winner. And if Jesus is so winner, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I think we need to follow Jesus, start becoming fishers of men. Amen. I just say tonight, we have to understand there's much increase by the strength of knocks. Listen, we're not going to capture this community. We're not going to win the world of Christ. We're not going to get missionaries out overseas. If we don't have more so winners involved right here in the local communities doing it for God. Where no ox nor the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of mind. By the way, you're not, you don't have, soul winning is not limited to being an organized soul winning. Soul winning is all the time, 24-7. Keeping tracks on us and reaching out and talking to people, talking to our neighbors and talking to our co-workers and actually doing, and listen, I'm not going to tell you to go into this tonight, but we have, we've got about two handfuls of our church members in this church or in this room right now. They're active soul winners. They're winning people to Christ. They're giving tracts out all the time. They're inviting people to church. And I look at their roster, number of people they've had in church. And I'm just thankful to God for all that they're doing for the Lord. And I'm just saying tonight, we need to have that attitude. We're going to try to win people. And by the way, you may not be someone, as I said this morning, you may not be someone who's 
feels like you can speak very well and you're very articulate <coughs> or you're very shy about things. Hey, you can do like a good basketball player does. You can make an assist. You can say, well, listen, I've got this prospect. Pastor, would you go with me? One of our church members asked me to go yesterday to the hospital and we went there and we had an audience with all our family members. We have 12, 10 or 12 family members in the hospital room and praying over a family member who's got a very, very serious illness right now. And I got to read some scripture to them and I had a captive audience and I had prayed for this. I told the church member, I said, let's just pray the Lord will give me an opportunity to get the gospel to them. And right then and there, as I read the scripture, I said, let me tell you how we're going to pray about this situation. And I read some scripture specific to that and how I was going to pray. And right there, I gave the gospel to those members there and told them, if you listen, this, this prayer tonight doesn't do any good for any of you if you don't get saved today. And I told them about that man in the bed, how he got saved in 2009 and how his wife got saved in 2009 at the same time. And now she's up in heaven and uh, he's going through a similar circumstances there. And I said, listen, you need to get saved as well there too. Listen, we got to take advantage of every opportunity to get the gospel people. I remember the one day my wife and I went to Eden Hospital to visit a church member. And we were, we were gone to the elevator. It's the old Eden Hospital. And we were coming down the elevator. And a woman got, got, got inside the elevator. It was one of the patients. And just had one of her patient gowns on. And I said, aren't you cold? I said, man, it's kind of, don't you, don't, do you, do you need a jacket or something to put around your shoulder? She said, no, I'm, I'm just going downstairs. I'm going to see some friends that, that came to visit me and, and so forth there. And, you know, just, it was one of those, one of those afternoons where the elevator was going real slow. Amen. You know? And, uh, I don't like slow elevators. But one of my paranoias is being stuck on an elevator. I always think about it. How am I going to get out of here if it gets stuck here? Okay? And, uh, and so, but the, so the elevator started going real slow, and I took a track, and I started telling the woman about the Lord. My wife was standing next to me, and I don't know how to describe this, but it just seemed like the Lord gave us 10 minutes in that elevator. We started explaining the gospel. We walked out of the elevator. People were coming in, people going out. We, we got, I said, let's go stand over here by the wall. We stood by the wall, started telling the Lord the way they, how to get saved, and she told us what she had. And a young woman that was diagnosed with cancer, and they told her she was like 26 years of age. She had stage 4 cancer. And I thought, man, what a, what a, what a trying circumstance there. And long story short, as we did that, and I wasn't plan that wasn't on my plan that wasn't on my things to do that day but god impressed on me give that lady a track and listen about 20 minutes there that lady trusted jesus christ her savior there i'm saying god gives you opportunities like that over and over again i can tell you story after story i said i was at the uh I was at the airport there in Manila uh, several years ago. A team of us went over there to preach with uh, Brother Rick Martin. We were waiting for the plan. There were several of the men that were there with Brother Chapel's team. They were witnessing people. And I sat down by these two ladies that were there. I gave them tracks, started witnessing them. And again, it was one of those afternoons where it felt like it was going to be forever that the plane would ever, we'd ever board the plane. And God gave me an opportunity to give the gospel to these two women. One of them trusted Jesus Christ, her Savior. The other one sat next to one of our other soul winners. And he, she got an earful watch that whole time from there to Elo Elo until we got there. And I'm just saying, we've got to take advantage of every opportunity of getting the gospel to people. Don't worry about your articulation, your strength. Just be faithful and let the Lord use you there. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of an ox. Now notice tonight, I want to give you some thoughts here. In this thought, I want to tell you about a great opportunity we have as a church. On, e on April 1st, which just happens to be April 1st Fool's Day, but it happens to be Easter Sunday, uh, we thank the Lord for that. We have one of our great opportunities from March 30th to April 1st to have a great Easter Sunday. Sunday outreach. Now, because of our construction and things like that, we, we don't have scheduled to have a typical big day where we're going to bring our, our public safety officers on. I like to do that, but we have nowhere to put the equipment and the property just has got too many things going on right now. And I like to kind of wait till the building's done and have them come and see what's going on there. And so I just felt led of the Lord this year that we're, we're going to, our big outreach for the first six months of the year is going to be a big Easter outreach. Easter, in many people's minds, they understand or have a kind of a foggy idea of what Easter is, just like they have a foggy idea of what Christmas is. And we're going to revolve all of things we're going to do around that. Let me tell you some things about Easter I told our Sunday school teachers. I want you to get excited about and to pray about. We're praying for that Easter weekend that God will use us to have over a thousand people in attendance over that weekend of the very services and events that we have. Now, how are we going to get there? Well, first of all, we're going to work at that having 625 regulars in church. If everybody's here in church without sickness and vacation, we can have between 650 and 700 people here consistently on, on a given Sunday. Year. But right now we're going through the flu season, cold season, people taking trips and vacation. But we're going to push very hard for that day of having 625 regulars. We're pushing on that day to have between 100 and 200 returning visitors. We've got a host of people that come one Sunday, two Sundays out of the month. We're trying to get all those people there. A lot of them are not saved. We're going to, with that, through all of our outreach, we're pushing to have 400 visitors in church that Sunday, mainly first-time visitors, to hear the gospel. We're planning to have them come. 
Many visitors come for the children's treasure hunt that Saturday afternoon on the 30th. And then we're planning to have visitors that come that evening on Saturday evening for the Easter musical. And then we're planning to have visitors come Sunday morning. We're going to evolve our whole Sunday morning time as an Easter musical and getting the gospel. Everything around that weekend is designed to get the gospel out. And we want to see over a thousand people come. And of that, over 400 visitors that God will give us. The visitors and attendees will be worked. Uh, the visitors of Salvation says will be worked to be enrolled into our adult Bible classes. Uh, we're going to look at maximizing attendance and transportation in all of our classes. We're going to be concentrating as a church from March 1st to April 1st. We're getting you ready now to start focusing, concentrating that March 1st to April 1st. We're going to be focusing our prayer, our efforts. We're going to start blocking off our calendar to give ourselves to reaching people for that time. 2,000 2,000 mailers will be sent out to people who've come through our church a multi- one or more times to our church. They'll invite them to come back to our church for that service. We're going to have 20,000 invitations as a church. We're going to embrace the entire area for four or five cities. is going to be broken up into areas where we're going to saturate those areas on Saturdays and during weekdays and getting, the, getting these flyers out. Twenty to 25,000 flyers means that we have to give out 5,000 to 7,500 flyers every single week there. That means we're going to focus it down almost between 800 to 1,000 a day. Some of you can get off at 5 o'clock in the evening and come straight here and give us an hour of time to help us at the time. Some of you have days off during the week. You can tear up with us and help us go. Some of you can give an extra hour on a Saturday. I'm just saying we want to get all these flyers out and engage people. With that, we have a, a wonderful, colorful eight-page, six to eight-page booklet which describes in a little bit more detail what we're doing there. Now watch this. Every church member, beginning with you folks here tonight, you're going to get one of these. Every church member will be given a, 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 a piece of paper or something of that nature for you to write down and I want you to start thinking about it tonight of 10 people you're going to start praying about to invite. I want you to think about it now, not wait to March 1st. I want everyone to think about 10 people you know you're going to extend an invitation to. Of those 10 people, we're praying that the Lord, just through the law of numbers, will enable us to have at least two of those people come to church on that Sunday. Now with that, as you narrow down those prospects and you engage someone to, to talk with, we're going to want you to go back to that person once you get a commitment. And before that April April 1st Sunday comes up, I want you to take this colorful booklet that will describe that weekend, and we want you to explain to them how why Heritage Baptist Church is God's church, is a great church, and a great place to celebrate Easter in, and we want them to to come <clears throat> on that day and as they come we want to explain to them the musical and what's going on they can come saturday night or sunday morning and they're going to give you a commitment right there in the spot in addition to that we're going to get people as we knock on doors and invite them to this musical we're going to have some people very interested and we're going to purposely go back through with these booklets and we're going to explain to them and leave a book in their hand so visually they have something in their hand that gives them a foretaste of what to expect on that day we're going to make this a big big effort we'll have some of it translated enough in, in both chinese and spanish that they'll have a firm understanding what's going on there during that weekend as we get closer to that here's what will happen we're going to do lots of outreach from march 1st to, to uh, excuse me, march 1st to march 30th daily outreach as we get to that wednesday night before that on march 28th we're going to focus on having a strong attendance here and just breaking down our prayer service for prayer and preparation for the easter service that day we're getting ready for that we're going to be much saturating much in prayer Saturday, March, uh, Friday, March 30th, our clubs are already working on having an invite and special, inviting students to come. So strong emphasis on our student ministries, probably breaking down the, uh, the Heritage Center for an event that we can have that will incorporate our teens and our college students to reach them for Christ and bringing visitors in here to hear the gospel. Saturday, <coughs> March 31st, we're going to have one more extra push, both in soul winning and park outreach. And then what we're going to do from there... As the children will have a treasure hunt here locally in San Leandro from about, I don't know, probably 1230 to 3 or 130 to 3, somewhere like that. And then we'll have our first musical Saturday night at 530 and then our next musical Sunday morning at 1015. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. And uh, we're just we're just going to want everyone to have an involvement part. And but I'll tell you the big thing. Not only do I want everyone to be involved in thinking about 10 people you're going to invite. And you say, well, pastor, I don't know if I have 10 people. Well, Maybe you got five people. That's good too, amen? That's, that's five more than we had that we started with, amen? And uh, some of you know more people. Why don't you invite them and, and woo for commitments? But with that, we need about 300 volunteers to be involved that day, a minimum of 300 volunteers. Now, there's a lot to do in preparation. <laughs> there's cleaning, there's choir members, there's orchestra, 
There's our service preparation. We'll need more nursery workers. We'll need more ushers. We'll need runners for different things. I mean, there's a host of things as we get close to March 1st that we're going to give you explanation about. But we're looking to, to engage 300 plus of you to get involved and help us at night. On that page, the ministry sign up tonight. I'm in. We have some things you can check off on that. We want you to sign up and get involved. Every Sunday night and Wednesday night, we're going to have prayer teams breaking up and praying for this Easter outreach that God will bless and use that greatly for that. You see, the Bible says, we're no auction are the crib is clean. Watch this. If we don't plan for a big day, we have nothing to clean up after. We don't plan for a big day. We don't have to have church. We don't plan for a big day. We can keep the church empty. But we're, but, 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 we're, but what the Bible says, but much increases by the strength of an ox. Well, listen, we get more people involved and more flyers out there and more involvement. There's much increase by the strength of an ox is what the Bible says there. Let me tell you about another thing. Listen, with more people serving, I want to encourage you to be in prayer with me for the model of our adult Sunday school department. Our adult Sunday school department has hit a ceiling. We've been at ceiling for three years. Three years ago, we weren't ready for the transition I need us to go to. Three years ago, we just didn't have the leadership, the development, the maturity for at. I believe we're ready right now. I believe God's given us the building to be prepared to fill this building up. Our Sunday school model is great if you just want to come and you want to be taught. It's a teacher-driven model, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not against a teacher-driven model. But a teacher-driven model is leaving a lot of people sitting in the chairs who are not involved and in, involved doing things. And they're not caring for the body of Christ. Now watch this tonight. The pastor cares about everybody in the church, but the the pastor is not Jesus Christ. The pastor can be in all places at all one time. This past Monday, if I had to be everywhere I needed to be, I couldn't have been there. I started six in the morning with someone having surgery for cancer. I went from there to, st- to a funeral to comfort a family that's here tonight and to be there for their family. And then from there, I went to Children's Hospital to care for another family. And from there, I went to another thing. And there are still more things. And this week, as today is unfolding, there's five more things added to my plate this week. And I'm going to endeavor to do all I can for that. And I'll get the staff to help, deacons to help where I can't feel like they can and help me, but I want you to understand there. There's some baseline things. If this church is not built on one person doing ten things, this church is built on the fact if we're going to be a biblical church that's going to thrive for Jesus Christ, there needs to be ten people doing ten things. Everyone can have an involvement in the church. Now, there's this mindset. Many of you have a great. There's many of you here tonight that have a great servant's heart. Now, I don't want to take that away. Your great servant's heart is like Martha. You're, you're encumbered about doing many things. But in doing many things, you're missing the bigger blessing. Because the bigger blessing right now to get our church to another level is my ability to equip our people to do the work of the ministry here at church. And so our growth model for our Sunday school department is designed to grow teachers. Our growth model is designed to develop care group givers. We're within the context that... People that I've trained are going to be able to help me to minister to the needs of the people in our class. They're able to know, okay, we have this ABC class here. And uh, Mrs. Mrs. Wong here is pregnant and uh, she's going to have a baby. That class with instruction from me is going to be the first to respond and be able to provide her meals and to cater to her needs, whatever she and her husband needs during that time. Or we have another situation here. We have the we have the home bidders class and Brother Jones here is being hospitalized and they're going to circulate from that class. That class will mobilize to minister to that need within that class. We have tried. Listen, in our church, we have tried to mobilize everyone and we've done a good job of this. We've tried to mobilize everyone to be involved with so winning and discipleship through the church bases. But our church is such a size level. Some of what we tell you flies over your head or you sit there and you think, well, that doesn't apply to me. But what we're going to do is I'm going to have in my classes an assigned, experienced, proven, so winning outreach and discipleship captain who's going to help me basically involve and recruit you through those Bible classes to get involved. We've got 200 people right now, 200 adults right now that are not enrolled in our Bible classes. They need to get in these Bible classes right now. We're going to a model which I'm going to call, and you want to get used to this because you're going to hear this repeated. I just taught a number of our adults, which included all of our deacons the other night. We're, we're going, our model for Sunday school is a Great Commission Sunday school. Would you say that with me tonight? A Great Commission Sunday school. Because our emphasis is fulfilling the Great Commission. Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe what, all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Every Sunday school class we're going to be designing and implementing for adult level from college and up will be a Great Commission Sunday school. 
Our motto is that each class will be considered a growth group when we're out, when we're out visiting and so many. Now don't get nervous here. You're saying growth group. What's going on here? Okay. Let me tell you what's happening in Christianity right now. Don't get nervous now. We're not going, let me tell you where we're not going. We're not going a small group mentality where small group basically is where people break down the church. Basically small churches that have small groups don't have Sunday school. And churches that have small groups, they don't have evening service. And churches that have small groups, they don't have Wednesday night service. And basically what they do is they're unbundling the church into all these different, I'm going to use the term very carefully here, different factions around the community. And everybody gets to go to home and they have a meet and greet time. And there's very little Bible being delivered in these small groups. And there's very little leadership. And they, 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 they don't see the pastor as being the shepherd of the flock. And everybody gives their opinion. And everybody uses a different translation of the Bible. We are not going to that kind of a model. Okay, small groups stay small, small groups. Now, the concept of small group for whatever it started with in the Bible, I believe that there there was a model for what we call growth groups. Now, growth group is, is telling people purposely we have these groups. But our group through Sunday school, our design is to grow the classes. And as they get to certain size, we're going to reproduce that class. We're going to split that class in half and grow that and start it all over again. So follow my model. In my model of our growth groups, I'm going to have a lead teacher and a co-teacher. The co-teacher is someone in training. The co-teacher is someone who, who teaches at least one to two times a month. The lead teacher's teaching. The lead teacher's goal and the co-teacher's goal is to work themselves out of a job. They are not there to, to manage that class or pastor that class. Their goal for that class is to grow that class and get up to a certain level so where there's excitement, enthusiasm, and the DNA of that class, they're so winning, there's discipleship, there's involvement, and once it gets from 30 to 60 or 70, we break and have a start a new class and do the same thing over again. We're, we're trying to in, in, kind of infuse within the church a reproduction, a, a spiritual reproduction model in terms of reproducing ourselves. Listen, as a church, how can I help you? How can you help me reproduce our church and other communities if we're not even reproducing classes? We've got to reproduce classes. You're not going to get excited for church planting if you haven't seen your class grow and divide and start another class that could be for the glory of God. And so our goal is to build evangelistic teachers. Teachers are there for the meetings and for the training. And the listen, we've gone for 19 years with a model that's gotten us to 550 on an average Sunday. That's great. Praise the Lord for that. But I'm not content by staying there. Listen. Where there's no oxen, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of an ox. And so by going to a growth group model, our goal that we're infusing in everybody's mind, we are starting these classes to grow them. We're starting those classes to grow and reproduce, to grow people spiritually, to grow people in relationship, to grow people in discipleship, to grow people in winning souls, to grow people in their desire for the world harvest. We're growing people to have a desire for reaching souls for Christ and doing a greater work for God. Listen, the Sunday school department can can be multiplied over and over over again. And what I envision is we start out maybe with four. We have two adult classes now. We will have a minimum of four by the time the building opens, maybe five by the end of the year. What I envision through that is that one of those classes will take off faster than the other classes. One out of four, one out of five will be a fast growth class. And as that class gets to maybe a, maybe a target of 60 people, we're preparing the teachers to break it up in half, and they're going to start it all over again. And the process there is to get everyone in the class involved with the church ministry, everyone involved in discipleship, everyone involved in caring for one another, everyone involved in reaching souls for Christ. And our recruitment for sowing discipleship will be through the classes. Before you even hear it mentioned at the pulpit, you've already been infused with that inside your, your adult class there. And the adult class ministry will help us to reach a large disproportionate sector of our community that's not places. Let me be very candid to you and tell you what goes on on the outside. And this happened today. <clears throat> the model of the contemporary church that's out there today, all, the, the only kind of churches, frankly, that are having, uh, that run a model like ours are independent Baptist churches. And you go to most of these other churches, they may have the numbers, but there's no spirit there. And you go to most of these other churches and they're, they're just, they're not grounded in the word of God. But these people have been infused with this idea of this fellowship model. Well, you know, I want to be part of a cell group or small group and things like that there. And basically, that's their way of not being under pastoral authority. That doesn't work in a New Testament church. You have to be under pastoral authority. So while I don't believe in pastoral authority, you don't believe the Bible then. 
Because the Bible tells the pastor to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint nor for filthy lucre, but of a willing line. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And the key word in there is the feeding and the overseeing there. And you have to understand today, you need a pastor to pastor your soul. You need to, you need a pastor to watch over your soul. And if you will not submit to the pastor for your soul, listen, you're putting yourself at great spiritual risk to out there where you're going to be making choice and decisions that will greatly endanger your spiritual life there. And so we, these growth group models will help us getting people excited, getting people involved. And as one of our men said the other night, he said, Pastor, thank you for sharing that with us. He said, listen, I, it just helps me to understand and envision where the church can be in five years and ten years. You said, how are we going to fill the buildings up? Exactly with the growth group models. You said, what are we going to do? We're, we're going to have 12, 12 available classrooms because three will be taken up automatically because of the nursery. We'll have 12 available classrooms and then four will be taken up at the start. We'll have eight classrooms. What are we going to do? We fill them up. Well, we go to two services. Amen? At about seven or eight classes, I've already done the numbers, about seven or eight classes, we're going to have to go to two services. And we're going to have to structure our model so we're ability, we have the ability to address all those things. And plus, on top of that, I'm praying over just exactly how the model is going to work in different foreign languages and we're trying to reach people in that context there. I'm just saying today, where there was no oxen, the crib is clean. Listen, we don't have to do this. But if we're going to see much increase, there's going to have to be some work. And we're going to grow, we're, there's going to be more buildings to clean. And if we're going to grow, listen, there's going to be more offerings we have to take up. And if we're going to grow, we're going to need more laborers involved. And we need more choir, la- choir members and more orchestra members and more ushers and servants of God involved. And I'm just giving you a capitalized idea there. All I'm saying today is that we, we're, we're, we're designing what we're doing because the Bible principle is we're no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by, by the strength of an ox. With more people serving in choir and orchestra, our music ministry can increase it's opportunity of being a blessing. Let me just reach out tonight for former former choir members. Would you, would you consider praying about helping us with our choir CD? Would you consider giving some Sundays between now and April 20th and 21st and coming along as we the choirs rehearsing, getting ready now for uh, for this, this this CD we want to produce? And we're not doing the CD because we're great. We're doing the CD because we're trying to reach more people for the Lord. I envision putting that seed in people's hands as I visit them and buying some of them and giving them, putting it in people's hands and, hey, hey, why don't you listen to our choir and may it be a blessing to you there. We've got the ministry, Brother Ed Russ and Faith Music Missions, which has done most of our fundamental Baptist music around our nation. They're coming here on site to help do the recordings for our church here. But may I, may I appeal to choir members, I know you're all busy, former choir members, would you consider coming on board and, and tuning up your voice a little bit more and, and getting involved and helping us with that. Listen, with more people serving as a worker, as a proof driver in our buses and vans, we can reach more people through buses in vans. With more people serving in the nursery, we can care for more babies and children. By the way, that new nursery will be an excellent place for a lot of, lot of new nursery workers to get involved and help us in catering to families there in that, in that way. Uh, with more people participating in Faith Promise Missions, we can support more missionaries and start new works. I mean, I haven't even begun to tell you about some things I'm going to say for another messenger about where I believe God wants us to go with missions and things we need to start on the foreign field. With more participation in our building offerings, we can pay down the debt faster, start in, on, on additional expansion. Hey, there's more to do. But listen, if you don't want to do anything, if you don't, if you don't want to get involved, you don't want to give, you don't want to participate, listen, where, where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. But if you want to be a biblical church, there's much increased by the strength of an ox. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're used to status quo, that's not going to work in the new model. That building's got to get filled up. We, we are not leading God's people in a $5.7 to $6 million project that's going to sit there. And by the way, I want you to pray with me. That main auditorium needs to get filled during that second hour too. That, that, has, that has 350 seats right there that I want to get filled on morning, for morning services there. We're no oxen are the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of an ox. Notice one last thing we're done tonight. We see this man, the essential value starts off as a single farmer plowing his own fields. He saves enough. And now we see this man gets an exciting vision. He has a vision for much increase. He goes from two oxen to four oxen to eight oxen to 16 oxen. He goes from one from one labor to two labors to four labors to six labors and eight labors. He works a little bit harder. He's up a little bit earlier. He's up a little bit late at night. But it's okay. He remembers those poor days and those meager days and those hard days. And now he realizes there's much increase by the strength of an ox. I want you to see one last thing we're done tonight. We've seen the exciting vision. We've seen the essential value. But what you notice tonight in this verse, the extraordinary volume. <coughs> 
Much increases by the strength of an ox. With more building space. And by the way, we're adding 15,000 square feet of building space. We have more room to bring more people in to hear the gospel. With more building space, we can start more vital ministries. With more building space, now I have a, I have a place for our Wednesday discipleship class and starting more discipleship classes and training more disciples. With more adult growth groups being started, more people involved serving, more people are being ministered to, more people are involved in giving the gospel. The larger tennis day events, such as Resurrection Sunday, our Easter Sunday event, we have more prospects assimilating to the church. That excites me. More people being discipled, more people are being grounded in the truth and witnessing witnesses of their faith. Much increase, that is the volume, by, is by the strength of an ox. Listen, with more soul winners, more souls get saved. With more soul winners, more people are reached. With more soul winners, more laborers are trained. With more soul winners, more men get a burden in their heart. They're called to preach. With more soul winners, more churches can get started. With more soul winners, we can reproduce more classes. With more soul winners, the greater our church branding. And by the way, let me just tell you something today. I have people come today. <coughs> and here's what we get almost every week. They'll come and they come from a church background. They'll say, do you have a cell group and small group? Now, I'll be honest with you, our kind of our arrogant answer has been, yes, we do. We have Sunday school. But the truth of the matter is they don't come back. And I'm going to tell you something there. I'm more concerned about me influencing them and not worrying about them influencing us because they are not grounding the truth. And I think if they get around Bible preaching and they get around people that are excited for the Lord and people that are excited about being biblical Baptists and people excited about winning souls to Christ, there's something infectious about that that changes their lives. We had a couple that came here. They're transferred from a, a good, soul winning, sound preaching church down in Southern California. And they've been looking to churches around this area and the husband said this to me. He said, Pastor, I just have to let you know, I think we found our home. He said, I felt like I was just at home. He said, I felt like I was back at home. Listen, my, my, the pastor got saved under. I felt like that's Bible. I, man, my soul was starving for Bible preaching. And so our problem is we get so used to what's going on. We've forgotten what the blessings are all about. We, we've forgotten that there's, when the crib is clean, where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. And we have to realize tonight, if you're going to grow a church, which, by the way, is biblical, we're going to grow a church, there's much increase by the strength of an ox. Now, our greatest sin tonight, I don't believe it's a sin of lukewarmness in this church, but I believe our greatest sin tonight is we're slothful. We make too many excuses for why we can't do this and can't do that. Or we try to keep other people from doing things. Don't be a gatekeeper and keeping people from serving the Lord. It's okay they make mistakes. I'm guiding them along the way. Let them get involved. It's okay to make mistakes. Why? Because they're going to learn from that. That's the only way you're going to get wisdom. Sometimes from learning from your mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake twice. Amen? With little or no soul winners, the church will have little or no growth. With little or no soul winners, there are no classes to fill. Little or no soul winners, no buildings to build or expansion that is needed. With little or no soul winners, there's no need to reproduce what we're doing. With little or no soul winners, there's few hospital visits to make. Little or no soul winners, there's no churches to plant. Little or no soul winners, the crib is clean. Let me give you some thoughts as we close tonight. There's extraordinary volume. This is a Bible principle. Where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. But much increase by the strength of an ox. Let me give you these things and we're done tonight. Number one. Would you help me make this coming resurrection Easter Sunday on April 1st, that weekend of March 30th to April 1st, a very well attended event. And to begin praying with me for many souls to be saved. Would you even start praying about right now? Who are the 10 names of people you're going to reach out to and invite to hear the gospel that day? Number two. Would you help come alongside of me? And help me as we work this, because it's going to take us about a year. And I had a video I wanted you to see, but I don't have time for you to see the video tonight. But it's going to take us about a year to kind of just get, get the principles down. And probably two years to really have it as a, as a well-oiled machine that's working. But would you help me to make our adult growth group, Sunday school ministry, the means by which our Sunday, adult Sunday school classes will see greater involvement in the core aspects of the church. And see reproducing classes through that. Would you help me make so many strong this year? Would you help me determine to be a strong soul winner yourself? Would you help me encourage more soul winning participation in the church? Would you bring people to me that I haven't reached yet, that I can train in soul winning to teach them the joy of winning souls to Christ? Would you help me by knocking more doors this year than before? 
Would you help me to witness to more people than before? Hey, would you make a goal this year? Just a simple goal. Would you make a goal that you'd witness to 100 people this year? I didn't say knock on 100 doors. I said witness to 100 people. I will promise you this tonight. I don't say this in a disparaging way. I believe the average church member here did not witness to more than five people last year. Now, praise God, if 200 people do that, that's great. But I'm saying the average church member. Would you make a goal to witness to 100 people this year? And by the way, I promise you, if you witness to 100 people this year, it'll change your life. It will change your life. Will you help me get converts in the baptistries? It means to show their identification with Christ. And by the way, we're not running people in the baptistry for the sake of the numbers. You read Romans chapter 6. Baptism is an indication of sanctification. Would you help me fill our classrooms so that we can go to two services? You say, Pastor, are you sure you're ready for two services? I'm ready if God's ready. And I think God's been ready for three years. Would you help me reach so many people with the gospel? We have, more, we have to add more services throughout Saturday and Sunday. Would you help me start and grow so winning uh, in, in additional cities and areas? Would you help me enlist and serve the Lord in the nursery as drivers and workers for the bus and van ministry, as ushers in church facilities and on special attendance days? Would you get involved tonight? Would you take that card tonight and check off more than one box? And turn that box, turn that card in tonight and say tonight, I identify with the principle where there are no oxen, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of an ox. There's strength in numbers. And we're not saying that because that's the, that's the phrase that the warriors use. They, they got it right. But we have to understand tonight, think of what God can do. There's about 250 to 300 people in this room tonight. Think of what God can do with 250, 300 people that are on fire for God every, every day of the week. Getting the gospel out and reaching people the gospel. You help us tonight. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Much increased is by the strength of an ox. Father, tonight, I pray that as we give the invitation that there will be I pray for a great increase in our involvement. I pray for a great increase in our prayer life. I pray for a great increase in our service. I pray for a great increase in reaching souls and touching people with the gospel. I pray for God, a good spirit and a servant's heart that we'll have. And as a church, the Lord will just embody what needs to be done. Our next big event, Lord, coming up here is this April, March 30th, April 1st, Easter Resurrection Sunday outreach. And the Bible says where no oxen are, the crib is clean. We don't have to go to these extremes. But the Bible says much increases by the strength of an ox. And tonight, I believe, Lord, tonight, if we can just get together as a church and follow some of the numbers and, and thoughts we've given tonight, I believe, Lord, you can bless us with over 400 visitors that day. And I believe if we have 400 visitors, we can have hundreds of people trust Christ as their Savior that day. Father, I pray you'd increase our faith. Help us not to be like those, the, those spies who told, who told uh, Moses in the face of Caleb and Joshua that we were not, they were not able. Father, we are well able to overcome it. We believe that, Lord, this can happen. But, Father, we need you to help us tonight with our unbelief and, God, our, 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 our little faith and our inability to see past our noses and to see that, God, you've got a greater vision for the church than we have. Lord, there's an, there's a, there's an exciting vision you have when there's much increase by the strength of an ox. God, I pray for our teachers, that our teachers tonight would recognize there needs to be repentance on our part because as teachers, Lord, we've just done our role in getting up and teaching and uh, we've done our, we've filled our spot, but Lord, there's much more we need to do. And there's many here tonight who maybe don't have the gift of teaching, but they can serve and come alongside as being care group givers and being part of the so many ministries as the baseline of this church. Whatever it may be tonight, Father, the Spirit has spoken and the Word of God has been preached. And tonight, Lord, we ask you this evening to just get a hold of our hearts tonight with great conviction that there's much increase by the strength of an ox. Help us tonight, Lord, to grasp your vision for your church and to get on board with it and to fill that new building up and to fill the original building up and to fill this room up and even get to a place where, God, even by the end of this year, we could go to two services, Lord, for the glory of God. Would you bless tonight? Would you stir our hearts? Would you help us to be humble this evening and put aside our pride and our excuses and all of our reasoning tonight, and just submit ourselves to the Lord, and say tonight, Lord, we want you to have your way in our hearts. Please bless this service tonight, this invitation. We pray for this in Jesus' name. I want you to stand with me tonight. If you Would you come tonight? There's much increase by the strength of an ox. Would you come tonight and say tonight, I come this evening to give, to do, to be part of that much increase, to be part of a growth model that's going to grow for Christ. Because to say, Pastor, I'm with you today. I'm with you where God wants this model to go. Would you come tonight and make your place? As I said today, it's not shameful not to come up. But if God's moved in your heart, you're disobeying the Holy Spirit's moving. If the Spirit is moving. Be a part of that. Many of you have already talked to. 
Many have already indicated you're, you're involved in But some of you need to get involved tonight. Would you come tonight and join your family, meet at the old-fashioned altar, and say, we're involved, we're in all the way. Where, the, where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of an ox. We need laborers. We need workers. I need prayer warriors. John Wesley said, give me a hundred men and I can shake the world for Christ. You know what, tonight, if I had a hundred members who were committed all the way, all the way in, we could reach a lot of cities for Christ. And we can be in this process of starting more churches. But I believe before God wants us to start churches, we need to start reproducing classes. Teachers, we've got to get our hearts loosened from our insecurities that it's our class. It's not our class. It's God's class. And we have to get our hearts wrapped around the fact our goal is to build and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Come tonight. Let's let go of our selfishness this evening. And I realize the Bible principle is much increase is by the strength of an ox. <laughs> Father, tonight that song is so fitting. I surrender all. And I think about, Lord, today in the lesson we taught how Abraham at a critical point in his life was asked by you to put his son, Isaac, on the altar. And really what you're asking him to do is to give his best, to give his all, to have no restraints, no strings attached. And Father, tonight, bring us to the place, old-fashioned biblical Christianity, where, God, we serve God with all our heart, God, we give our best. Lord, we give because you first gave to us. We give with, with that, uninhibited. We give, Lord, with just a desire that you be glorified. And tonight, do a great work in our hearts. Stir our hearts and bother us about, Lord, the model we need to adopt. And bother us, dear Lord, tonight about our role and part of making a list of ten or more people with the goal of having at least two come to church and hear the gospel that day. And tonight, we commit this to you, so the Lord, you're glorified. Lord, I pray this evening for your anointing upon the growing of classes and the filling of the education building. That's your building, Lord. And I look forward to that day we dedicate that building at the grand opening. That in that building, that growth will occur and souls will be saved. Thank you for the decision we made and for the boxes that have been checked off and cards to be turned in. And this week, bless our people. That, Lord, they'd have a, they'd have a very strong week in the word, a very strong week in prayer. And, Lord, to just determine tonight to take a few tracts with them and Witness to some people this week and get the gospel to them. But Father, all these things we commit to you this morning, this evening, that Christ, your son, would be glorified. And thank you tonight for our decisions, what you've done in our heart. Thank you for the Bible principle of productivity. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of an ox. We thank you for this now in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.